you know, every garden needs water to uh, really make the plants grow. And your marriage needs a lot of maintenance and a lot of good stuff to be healthy. When you work to cultivate your relationship, the chances of success are much greater, just like that garden that you tend to. I'm John Fuller in the studio with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, and they have years of counseling couples. They always do a great job of sharing from their own journeys. And uh, Greg, let's just kick off with a short example from you about maybe a small act of love that uh, perhaps has helped you cultivate your relationship with Aaron. Yeah, I love it when Aaron expresses gratitude for something that I've done, just to simply, hey, I noticed that you had the trash out this morning on time. I did notice I, that you had the trash <laughs> out this morning. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> but when she, she when she does that, I, I love that. But also, also when she just brings little gifts. I'm not a big gift person, but like today before our recording session here, she called and said, hey, I'm pulling through Starbucks. Can I get you anything? And just that that simple little, you know, just, hey, can I bring you anything? It was so great because she brought me a great iced tea and it's been very helpful. But anything like that, th- those are great examples of just some little things that she does that really has a great impact on our marriage. Well, and we're going to hear why things like that, little things, can have a big impact in your marriage as we listen now to Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi. They've done some excellent research on the brain and how acts of love in a marriage can really positively affect your brain. And uh, they spoke to Jim Daly and me about how to bring joy into your marriage. So often we look at the purpose of marriage, and some marriages, I'm sure, they shake their heads at times, the people in those marriages thinking, Lord, why did you create marriage like this? And the interesting thing, it typically, if not always, points back to us, because what the Lord is trying to do, I think, in the institution of marriage and what he created is to make us more like him by making us more selfless, Mm -hmm. um, you know, giving yourself to another person. And... uh, the big question is, now, how do you find joy in that thing that does not come to the uh, human nature, the fleshly nature, so easily? Where do we find joy in that? No, that's a great uh, question, because a lot of times we forget that we we usually we get married because we're convinced we'll have more joy with this person and without them. And so it's <laughs> is a, that great, a fog, by the way, I, early well, on. Is that yeah. just a fog or what's happening? Yeah, it's because we're having so much joy. It's a lot of joy. Yeah, it's like this is so great. There's all this energy. You're really looking forward to the next time you're going to see the person. Um, what we've also found is that uh, brain science has shown us that joy is far more fundamental to the human experience than we've made it. Too many of us have treated joy like it's the icing on the cake of life instead of that it is actually the fuel on which life is meant to run. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Chris, again, what yeah. from your perspective, what role does joy play in marriage? You know, joy is foundational. Um, joy is very easy to start early on in our marriages. What happens for a lot of marriages is joy is hard to sustain. You actually have to be proactive. It's like tending a garden. You got to pull the weeds, you got to work the soil a little bit, and you have to be uh, very purposeful about maintaining that joy. Let let me ask you this question, because that's a great point, because so often we feel like we're waiting for joy. Like mm-hmm. we're at the fountain. Okay, is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. We just went to Yellowstone, saw Old Faithful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that moment, right? You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and boom, there it is, joy. Is that what we do too often in marriage? Instead of cultivating it, we're waiting for a circumstance Definitely. to dictate that joy? Definitely. We're waiting, we're hoping, we're praying, and we just sometimes wish that God would just zap us with a full bottle of joy. And and many times, it's it's kind of like Adam and Eve had to tend the garden. Um, you know, we have to tend the garden of our marriages to, yeah. to really 
sustain those but joy levels. What's critical about that, I want to make sure we're hearing that, that it's not, it can be, but it's not exclusively an external thing. That joy comes from within, too, and that's probably the most right. sustainable. We should probably define what we mean by yeah. joy because people are all over the place on that. And Did for, it. For us, on a, from a, a brain perspective, right, that is that you're, you know, we have the right side and the left side of the brain. Joy is a right brain experience. Now, our choosing and our thinking are on the left side of the brain. So a lot of us are trying to think our way into joy and choose our way into joy. But really, joy is this reaction that we have to being with somebody. So a lot of times when it happens in marriages, I'm waiting for the other person to make me joyful instead of doing the things that cause us to be happy to be together. In other words, so what we're doing in joy is we're looking for more and more reasons to be happy together, more and more ways to be happy together. And uh, because our brain reacts to that. And uh, so from a brain science perspective, it is always a relational word. Okay, that's good. And we're going to get to that throughout the program. Let me move to something you call the joy gap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now that we've had the positive side of it, (laughs) I was thinking joy gap. Gene got it right away. (laughs) I know exactly what they're talking about. What's this joy gap? Well, the joy gap is simply the uh, length of time between moments of shared joy. So for some couples, it's like hours, you know, between. And if you've got, if you're measuring your joy gap in hours, you've got a really good marriage. (laughs) If you are measuring your, you know, the last time we shared joy together was like a month ago, there are some problems here. So the gap is how long has it been since we were both experiencing joy from being together? Now, do you and, and Brenda have your wife, Brenda? Do you have an She's example? here, yeah. And, <laughs> Come on uh, so in, Brenda. No, we're we're ask her. <laughs> exactly. She told, me to say it. she told me to say it's ours. No, what's, a safe, no, we're good. what's a safe story that you could share as an example of this? Something uh, in your marriage, maybe where you struggled, the joy gap. Yeah, example. well, we got partway into our marriage and realized that we had a huge joy gap. And it was one of those things where I was oblivious to it because I was kind of a workaholic pastor. And uh, I thought everything was fine because as long as there wasn't a flaring mess, I figured our marriage was fine. And then, so you were managing. I was managing the marriage, but then I realized was that she was actually withering away from this lack of joy because joy is the fuel on which the marriage runs. And so, if Mm. there isn't enough joy going on there, she's going to feel like she's not important to me. She's and she's and our marriage is actually withering, and I'm not. Uh, aware of it. So we realized we need to do some things. We didn't have this vocabulary back then, but realized we need to do some things to shrink this joy gap in our marriage and infuse it with more more relational joy. And we started doing some things. I mean, you know, this is the basic things that you are always told, like start date nights. Well, we did date nights, but we would have fights on our date nights, you know, because... <laughs> That's very so, honest. I yeah, appreciate you know, that. Because yeah. we, it, it was... Uh, we hadn't spent enough time really doing the, the kind of habits we talk about in this book that you need to develop in order for things like that to be successful. Well, Aaron, I really liked that concept that we heard about there, um, a joy gap. So you work with couples a lot. How do you encourage them to get through those joy gap moments? Yeah, and so really what a joy gap is, because they talked about it in the taping, is really recognizing that there's going to be seasons or moments of joy, but then there's also seasons of challenge, that if we don't experience both, we won't experience either one hmm. that we experience joy but we also experience pain and it's you know we we it's a full gamut of emotion that we experience and so joy is a great goal because we can be intentional about pursuing joy you know and making sure that where i have control i can infuse my relationship with joy 
but it's recognizing that I am on a journey with my spouse. And on a journey, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be rocky paths, there's going to be smooth paths, there's going to be green pastures, there's going to be all kinds of experiences. But even through all of those, I can choose to experience joy by infusing it with joy, laughter, you know, pointing things out that are beautiful to me and sharing that with Greg. And so it's just just pursuing that, but I can't control how Greg experiences those moments. I can only control me. Because I think people often confuse joy with happiness. And if the thought is that, you know, I'm only going to live, you know, for happiness, and so what do we do in between those moments of happiness? It cuts out the way that God uses the hurt and the pain and the heartache to grow us. And that is a part of our joy. It's giving thanks for those hard moments that I can trust that God is actually using them in our life, in our marriage, to grow us more like Christ, to grow our marriage, and to be grateful. And that does help to cultivate joy. What I don't like is almost that joy is like this peak, and then we just kind of how do we survive the valley to get back to the peak? I I don't think we can look at it that way. It really has to be of, you know, all of it can serve a purpose. And I'm not an idiot. Of course, I'd rather things be smooth and, you know, joyful, but at the same time, recognizing that, no, that there, there are pearls contained within these moments where these seasons, these, these valleys of difficulty and to be grateful that God is going to use those in our life. And it's recognizing, I think what I hear you saying, that often we set the goal as joy. Well, I should feel, you know, happy and joyful all the time. And that's not realistic. That's not the reality of marriage or of life. And we're going to have those moments that we are joyful. Again, we have control over us and how we view things. And I can look, like Greg is saying, for those pearls in the challenging times. What is God doing here? And my connection with my husband, so often during those challenging times, what I appreciate about our connection in our marriage is that often we infuse those moments with, you know, laughter and just the connection that we have. And it's not inappropriate laughter, Mm. but it's just, you know, that even during hard times, we can just look at each other and see the exhaustion in each other's eyes and just laugh. And that connection brings joy. Yeah. And I think we can do things like go on dates and watch fun shows that we enjoy, maybe learn something new, go on an adventure, go hiking like we live in Colorado. We can do those kinds of things to infuse joy within our relationship as well. Yeah, and it may be that joy is a concept you have just, you've heard about it, but you really haven't experienced it in your relationship. A starting point uh, to move toward joy in your marriage would be the book from Marcus and Chris. Uh, It's called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, and it's a short little book, doesn't take long to read. It's full of great insights, and it can be yours when you make a donation of any amount to the ministry here. Make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, and we can send that book to you. Details are in the show notes. And if you're in the middle of a joy gap time, please know you are not alone. And uh, we're here to help. We have a team of counselors who can be reached for a free consultation. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. And we'll have details in the episode notes as well, of course. 
Well, more from Marcus and Chris next time, and of course, from Greg and Aaron Smalley. On behalf of the Smalleys and the entire team here, this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. I'm John Fuller.